come back on command. Yes, I'm so proud of you that I've caught that on record. Okay. <laughs> that's that's a pre-credit sequence. That's actually going in. Oh yeah, then that should be the pre-credit sequence. I tried to book the alphabet. Hey, I'm Yannick Bucket. You're listening to Hey Kids Comics. This briefing is from file A56-7W. Classified top secret subject is Hey Kids Comics. Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better, stronger, faster. Hello, everybody. Hello. And, and oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> you jumped in there. Yeah. And welcome to another Hey Kids Comics. I am Andrew Leyland, and I am Michael Lee. And today we are continuing with our coverage of X Men versus Avengers. I got the wrong way around, didn't I? You know, if if it was like that, then would you have to list it as something completely different? Would it count as a different book if it was X Men versus Avengers? See, alphabetically, yeah, that would be in a completely different Like Simpsons, class. Futurama, Crossover Crisis, and Futurama, Simpsons. It's two crossover. completely different books. I know. Also, along those lines, mm-hmm. is this technically an Avengers book? Because they're first in the title, or is it an X-Men book? But it... That's confusing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Your eyes then went, wow, that's like, heavy. Because... It's a continu- It's not just a continuation of the X-Men stuff, it's also a continuation of the X-Men mm, stuff. So is it an Avengers title or is it an X-Men title? Or is it, is it its own series Yes. that borrows off other series? Mm. But if you were, were cataloguing this, mm-hmm. would it be an Avengers or an X-Men? Will it be under A? It's true. Mm. So Avengers win by unless, dint of being first. Unless it was your cataloguing and then it'd be God knows what. There is nothing wrong with my comic book cataloging system. It made perfect sense to me at the time that I was doing it. Spectacular. Amazing Spider-Man You mentioned this S. before. Ultimate Spider-Man goes, goes under, under you. you. Yeah, is that, is that the only one you've got that you can pick holes in? Is it really? I'll, I'll, I'll have to think. You, you, you don't think it's slightly odd? I'm trying to think of another one now. I'm trying to think of another one. <laughs> I'm sure there is one. You don't think it's slightly odd that Legends of the Dark Knight goes next to Batman Adventures? You don't think that's strange, do you know? Well, the another thing I found odd is that you've got next men in J. That that's not confused you. And Babe in J. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. But I've got Angel and Faith next to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. The, none of these things have confused you. Oh, they well, are. The Amazing Spider-Man, the Ultimate Spider-Man, that one. That one constantly yeah. gets to just, you. Just, just because with all your other ones, it makes sense. Could you catalogue and all the Jane Byrne ones? Or John Byrne oh, ones? Jane Byrne! <laughs> <laughs> you're cataloguing all your John Byrne ones, and then you're cataloguing all your Angel ones. But then you, you split it up, your X-Men collect, your Spider-Man collection even. You know why that is? Because you're a fool. I made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man should have gone under S. 
but didn't. And it was only when I got to the W's I realised that, oh, Bugger. I've made a mistake here. And you couldn't be asked going all the way back. Yeah, it was easier to go back to the U's yeah. than it was to go all the way back to the S's. But anyway, now that we have once again established my general incompetence <laughs> in, in all things, not just the arena we call podcasting, we have an email. Just one. One. Mm. One email. Come on, people. Slacking. I know it's it's been Christmas, mm. but more than anything, that's an excuse to drop us a line. You've got nothing better to do. You're off work. You're stuffed on turkey. You've got your feet well, up. Well, not anymore. Why not? Well, over the Christmas period, the they've got to be emails. But you know, by the time it goes up, yeah. But there's there's been. I wonder the if period. anyone's listened to us whilst either a cooking Christmas dinner or b eating Christmas dinner. No, we we put our Christmas show up too early for that. Do we? Yeah, we put our Christmas show up this year on the twentieth of December. Well, maybe so. you've not got round to listening to it for five days. That's possible. Hmm? Maybe they've saved them as a backlog. Maybe. Maybe they're just bored. <laughs> and they're just slowly working their way through. I often wonder if people listen to the Christmas episodes in the middle of summer. Yeah. And just, you know, like when they go back through the back catalogue mm. and they find a Christmas show. Did they listen to it when they find it or did they go, oh, I'll wait till Christmas for a while. I don't want to listen to a Christmas episode in the middle of June. I'd... Depends, put TV on and odds are there's a Christmas episode. I, I, wouldn't, I don't listen to Christmas episodes of shows that I've discovered after the fact that in June. Do you not? No. That's just too weird. Do you wait? I wait until Christmas time. What, what did you forget though? I don't tend to. Although I don't tend to listen to a lot of podcasts over the Christmas holidays because I'm off work. Mm. And so I don't tend to listen to a lot of stuff when I'm off work. If I listen to stuff, it's normally music in the car. Yeah. So I do normally end up listening to Christmas shows in January. So I just put a lie to yeah. what they just said, really. Anyway, uh, the first email, which we interrupted before we even started it. Which is becoming a common... No, normally we say who it is. Yeah. And then we interrupt it. Whereas at least this this time we had the common courtesy to not do that. This, uh, I was going to say our first email, our only email this week, comes from Damien Lee. Hi, Damien. And it's subtitled, Yawn. I hope that's not a description of what the show made him feel. I yawned my way through your previous episode, which That's is so yawn. monumentally dull that it sent me to sleep. Thanks, Damien. Because we have the voices that could send you to sleep, and yeah, then you laugh, and instantly you wake up. Wake everybody up! Hey, if they're really, if they're really not careful, I'll sing. <laughs> um, that hasn't, isn't what Damien said. No, to be fair, Damien opened with the salutation. Evening, night owls. Evening, Damien. Why am I emailing you at this obscene hour? Uh, the email doesn't say what hour it was. Two but, days but ago. I assume that it was obscene. Um, because I'm furiously busy preparing reports for my head teacher and need a breather before the Pepsi, Jelly Babies and Chocolate that are the only things between me and collapsing over my keyboard kill me with a heart attack. <laughs> well, we don't encourage that, do we? No. We don't want you to have a heart attack. I want to listen to this furious report. What, you want to read the report that he wrote that caused this? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's probably about kids. It's probably not that interesting. Yeah. I've worked in a high school. Kids are quite dull. <laughs> Sitting here, continues Damien's email, working has given me a chance to catch up on the last couple of weeks of your podcast. Thoroughly enjoyed your coverage of Prodigal. Oh, thank you very much. You're the only one who's emailed in to say that, so I presume everyone else thought it was awful. 
I always proceed from the assumption yeah. that everyone thinks it's Unless terrible. They email it. yeah. Unless they email in to say, yeah, that was good. Yeah. I instantly go to the place that goes, oh, they must have thought it was if crap. If don't have anything nice to say, they literally yeah. don't say anything. <laughs> they literally don't. <laughs> so, so Damien liked our prodigal coverage. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else, everyone else was like, this, this is crap. <laughs> everyone else was like, I was tuning into this to hear Dick Grayson be Batman. I thought they were going to cover the Grant Morrison run. We're very sorry if you are the people that did that. We should when I get when it comes. Let's to not. Moving on. You like to you on. Moving on. David's email continues. My own primary experience of Batman is a big chunk of the Grant Bray Fogel era. Many from the fantastic LEM magazine-sized reprints. The back-breaking, a few runs by favoured writers, and his role as part of the JLA. It's interesting to hear that there's some solid stuff to go back to, though. There is some very solid Batman runs. That if, um, if you read the LEM magazine reprints, they did reprint... I believe they reprinted a lot of 80s stuff in those magazines. But um, you need to go and find the Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill stuff. And the Steve Englehart, Marshall Rogers stuff. Denny O'Neill Adams. Denny O'Neill Adams. Yeah. That works well, doesn't it? Yeah, really? Today that would have sorted. You know when they splice two people's yeah. names together to make a couple, yeah, that would so work now. Denny O'Neill Adams. Well done. You're out of your time, though. Like, yeah, I, I, I made that up. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally, dude. Damien's email continues. I do have to take issue with the Perez Jimenez discussion a little bit. Until recently, I'd have agreed that Perez is a little stiff and that often Jimenez is a more exciting artist. Then I got a hold of new Teen Titans thanks to the DC omnibuses, and Perez clearly never has been as good since. Maybe it's Romeo Tanghal's inks, but his line is just phenomenal. His trademark uber detail is there, but his characters and faces look amazingly organic, even compared to his own stuff since then, from Crisis on. Yes, the first eight or so issues are relatively rough from that point. It was a genuine revelation. Um, um, see, um, um, uh, I kind of have to agree with that. Okay. In that his Teen Titans run was the, best the pinnacle of what he achieved, yeah. I mean, his artwork has got more detail to be gone, but there's something... What is it about artists that their faces start looking blobby? Like they'll start experimenting with noses and everyone will end up with a blobby nose. And, and Perez's JLA Avengers work, his faces are a bit wonky. And I don't know why. His Wonder Woman stuff was solid, but again, that may have been the ink and uh, I don't think you can fault Crisis on Infinite Earths. But I do agree that I think his career high point was the Teen Titans. Oh yes, the programme you discussed in our for a few weeks ago, the sci-fi western thing, was Brave Step. Shown briefly on Walsh was born in with of Going Live back in the early 90s. Going Live. Go, 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 Going Live. Andy Peters and Emma Forbes used to do okay. Going Live. It's before your time. I'm glad. You know, it was one of those, you know, those Saturday morning kids magazine shows where people come on and talk about serious issues. Serious issues. Serious issues. Glooped with green jelly. Yes, pretty much. And then they'd show cartoons in between talking about serious issues. Yeah. And then they'd talk to, like, a band or something like Bross or something like that if it was the 80s. Fair enough. It was one of them. Right. I didn't watch a lot of it. Was Gordon the Gopher in that one? I've no idea. But I was it Ed the Duck? May have been Ed the Duck by that point. Ed the Duck. Ed the Duck. Yes. <laughs> when when they, they used to have glove puppets, right? And Gordon the Gopher was the the, the forerunner. Yeah. And then Ed the Duck followed. Right. Yeah. It was it was all very it was high 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 class entertainment in that way that it wasn't. Uh, it never caught my imagination. Damien continued. Frankly, it was no Defenders of the Earth. That's for certain. 
You made me very annoyed I didn't make time for Thought Bubble. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I've yet to pop my convention cherry, and it's near enough to the northeast that I wouldn't have been too difficult to pop down. Bah! Maybe next year. Yeah, go to Thought Bubble, it's fun. Yes. It's a very laid-back convention, so... Uh, laid-back? Yeah. I thought Bix was more laid-back. Yeah, Bix was, but Bix doesn't seem to run anymore. Well, Thought Bubble... I don't think Thought Bubble's is laid-back, because it's everyone there, and everyone's crowding in and pushing everyone. Whereas at Thought Bubble, you could just sit down and chat to people. Yeah. Like uh, John McRae just in the middle of the room yeah. with his baby. And you going, can I have a sketch, please? And I'm going, yeah, yeah, I'll do it for you later. I'm a bit busy in a minute. Well, Adam and Anya, when we first went, though, where they were stealing chocolate and chatting to Sean Phillips. Yeah, just sat with Sean Phillips and you give him chocolate. Yes. He was lovely. You couldn't get near him this time. No. Oh, do you remember Charlie Adlard? First year we went to Bix. Yeah. Very when little in the way of you. We just sat and chatted to him before the Walking Dead TV show started. Mm. And thought bubble this year, you couldn't get near him. No. Couldn't get near the man. But, I don't know, I'm glad he's been successful. Yes. But back in the day, we could sit near him and just chat. And now that's not the case. TV anyway. is killing the closeness fans can get to. Uh, is it? Is it the Walking the Dead TV show's fault? Have you watched the third season of The Walking I'm Dead not. yet? all over season two. Does it? Yeah. Right. From episode one, season three just runs and doesn't stop. Well, I've not been watching it, but I do think that the TV show is better than the comic. Yeah. It kills me to say that, but I do think so. See, season, I thought season two of the TV show was duller than dirt. Oh, yeah. But, but season three's been really good. With the comic, it's we, we've said loads of times, you feel sorry for Rev's reading that on a monthly basis, because nothing happens but people talk. Mm. And every once in a while, something will happen. Every so often, a zombie will show up. You can't do that on a TV show. So the TV show, they have to come up with something every episode, which will make you carry on watching it. Whereas in season two, they didn't do that. They just had them living on the farm for 60 yeah. episodes. So I think the, the TV show's better, because it... Like keeps your interest. Well, so, well season three does. Yeah. Season three, they just go from one thing to another, all the way through the the first, and they've only shown the first ten or so episodes. Yeah. So I stick them on a USB stick and watch them but upstairs. Really, I, I I don't think Walking Dead serves a TV show anyway. Not next to Invincible anyway. See, Invincible's great. Invincible is great, mm. and it would work all right as a TV show. I don't think they could afford it. Well, the early stuff would work. They couldn't do the Viltrumite War as a TV show. Oh, no. The, the do you think they could do all the alien makeup as well? No. See? But the early stuff would be fine. See, I didn't dislike the Green Lantern movie. And I know there's tons of people across the land now. The CGI killed it. No, the CGI I didn't think was awful. The, su- the CGI suit killed it. The costumes in the aliens, yeah. No, I, I liked, I quite liked thing, yeah. I quite liked... Come on, you poosers! What's his name? I, I quite like Killawak, yeah. <laughs> they could do Invincible like that and it'd probably work. Yeah, but that would be expensive on a week, uh, weekly basis. Yeah. Mm. I don't know, I don't know if they could pull convince, uh, Invincible off. Anyway, Damien's email's not finished. No, it's not. Yeah. Feel free to do a month on the downright wonderful Transformers UK. I'd give up my wife's firstborn to hear that. <laughs> my stepchild is putting Asterix. <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, 19 more reports to go. All the best, Damien. Well, thank you very much for emailing in, Damien. We appreciate it, simply because without you this week, we wouldn't have had an email section at all. So, you know, we do appreciate you. Email us again. You never know, you may be the only one who does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, well, as per usual, we will take a quick break and we'll be right back. Ready to form Voltron! I am Batman! 
This is a job for Superman. Power Rangers! Right away, Michael. Autobots, transform! By the power of Grayskull! I'm the doctor. Charlie's Geek Cast, coming January 1st, 2013, to www.charliesgeekcast.com. And we're back. Starting tonight is Avengers vs. X Men 5. And we're not doing this so far, we have seen. So far, we have seen... <laughs> We're just winging this one. Yeah. The Avengers... Versus... The X-Men! No, 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 no. What else do you need to know? <laughs> Avengers versus X-Men 5. Carry on. It uh, has a cover by Jim Chung of the Phoenix Force, Burning Cap, Wolverine and Cyclops. It has a variant by, by Dale Keown of Thing Fighting Colossus and two team variants... A Ryan Stegman cover of Hope crying whilst everyone fights around her and a black and white variant. Um, I thought the main cover was a bit of a jumbled mess. Design-wise, I can see what they're going for. Mm. But the fact that, let's be honest, pretty much half of the page's logo. Yeah. And then the bottom half of the page is the stupid AR symbol. Mm-hmm. And then the barcode. And then the bottom left is a And then the bottom left symbol. is a free digital copy. And the credits... I cannot but think this would have worked much better as a, a cover, sans cover copy. Mm. So I ended up thinking that was a jumbled mess, even though I liked the design work. And do acknowledge that I may think it's a jumbled mess, not because of the actual art. Mm. You know what's funny? What? Cap's crotch turns into Cyclops' eye. Well, there is that as well. Which, you know, we don't really want to see that. I liked the thing versus Colossa not much better. Mm. Even though it is just them two standing there going, I will fight you now! Grr. Which is... Russian smash! <laughs> Peter Rasputin will kill you now. <laughs> it's clobbering time! That kind of thing. Alright, tell us what happens in this one, Michael! The Avengers and the X-Men start to fight. But, oh, they're on the moon, by the way. Oh, yeah. But Hope tells them to stop and Phoenix is out and burns them all. <laughs> Phoenix is out. She had her eyes do start, first of all. Yeah. Oh. Did, 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 did. yeah. Wolverine tries to kill her, but Scott stops him with his eye beams. Elsewhere, Tony and Hank Pym finalise the latest Iron Man armor, the Iron Giant, that is capable of harming the Phoenix. See what I did there? I, I was very impressed with that. Yeah. Superman! The Iron Giant, unstoppable until it bangs its head. <laughs> <laughs> As Stark flies to the Phoenix, every telepathic being on the planet senses something, and Stark fires the disruptor cannon at the Phoenix. After the blast settles, Cap looks up to see five of the X-Men with new costumes flying. Scott, Emma Frost, Namor, Magic and Colossus are now the Phoenix Five and have hope. They have hope, the person. Yeah, they, yeah. No, they don't, they have hope. Yeah, they, they have hope, Summers. Okay. They fly towards the Earth, ready to change it. Ooh, bum, bum, bum. Um, my main problem with this one was when could Captain America breathe in space? Because we see him in space in this one with no, like... Captain America. Captain Britain. Sorry, not Captain America. We yeah. see him in space here with no actual 
Or it doesn't look like he has actual breathing apparatus. Well, doesn't his powers come from believing in himself? So but, if he just believes that he doesn't yeah, need to breathe? Wasn't he one of those poetic Alan Moore characters who, believe, who gets his powers from believing in himself but doesn't believe in himself because he's all... Do you know, I don't remember. Yeah, I think it's something like that. Alright, I'll go with that. I did like Mecha Iron Man. I love the art in this one. I thought the art in this one was really good. Mm. The double page splashes of them fighting on the moon is awesome. Especially when you you just you can just see all of the art. Yeah. And then she stops them by blasting them. Do you know what I mean? Jr. just knocks it out of the park on this one. Even monkey Wolverine. Yeah, Wolverine's burned. All of his skin's burned off. Again. Again. Um, but not his claws this time. And he schnicks. And he's about to kill Hope. But Mecha, Mecha Iron Man is awesome. How has Tony built this station on the moon? He's Tony goddamn Stark. It's like, I'm the goddamn Batman. Yeah. He's the Marvel equivalent of that, isn't he? Yeah. He can build anything out of two twigs. Some, I don't know, barbed wire. Tony MacGyver. Yeah. <laughs> I can't like that, idea. That he's MacGyver. Um, the Phoenix Force has infected all of the X-Men on the blue area of the moon. Again, it's an awesome splash page. Do I want to know what, what, what all the psychics are bothering about? By Ramita. Which psychics? When it shows all the psychics on the world. Yeah. And they're all freaking out or having headaches what are they freaking out over well if the psychics are they not foreseeing that this is going to happen it could but it doesn't explain that no see you get Scarlet Witch knows something's up and something's going on the guy from the mystic city of Kunlun knows that something's going on and senses that it's beginning um who's the guy calling Professor Xavier father his son Oh, really? Well, I'm glad you're here to tell me these things. Should we take the professor in the back and put him into the hyperdrive? Who is he? I've no idea. I oh, right. assumed it was his son. Oh, thanks for that. I don't know why they're both chilling in the ocean yeah. with suits on. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, Charles Xavier's wearing a suit in Ibiza. So in he's the ocean. Like, chilling out. And then he's in the ocean in his suit. Which, yeah, makes no sense. And yeah, Charles I am, Xavier's I, in the club scene. <laughs> yeah, I can so suddenly see Charles Xavier you know, down, down with Fatboy Slim in the clubs. I know the guy who owns this place. What? I know the guy who owns this place. <laughs> you old enough to be my dad? You're not worth if I have to psychically prone you. You need to put some, some Ministry of Dance music <laughs> behind this bit, don't you? Ministry of Dance. <laughs> Anyway, the Phoenix Force has affected the five mutants. Namor, Emma Frost, Scott Pilgrim, Scott Summers, Colossus and Magic. Why, of all of them, has it made Emma Frost's outfit even more revealing than normal? Yeah. Well, it's not as revealing as a Namor's. Namor's yeah, but has got shoulder pads and, like... A pair of pants. Yeah. yeah but Namor doesn't wear much. He's a swimmer. Yeah. Emma Frost doesn't wear much because she's a skank? Is that the reason she doesn't wear much? I thought she was more of an upper-class skank. Right. She's, she's one of those expensive, expensive prostitutes. Right. You know, your M&S ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke that's only going to apply to people who've seen Marks and Spencer's TV adverts. <laughs> yeah. Marks and Spencer's do adverts saying that their food is particularly good. This isn't just food. It's, it's an S. 
Well, you, you know, we had Carlos Santana soundtrack. I wonder, I wonder how many times they recorded the advert and somebody said, this is S&M food. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't just chocolate cake. Hot candle wax souffle. This is S&M chocolate cake. <laughs> None of this has any chocolate chains, <laughs> licorice whips, <laughs> licorice whips. Love the idea of a licorice whip. <laughs> well, none of this has got anything to do with Avengers vs X Men. I do apologise. Um, I don't have much page by page notes for this issue, other than to say I really did quite like it. I don't know, I don't know who designs the, the Phoenix Five's costumes. I presume John Jr. Seeing as he's the one no, to I first mean, draw them. The, the character-wise. Yeah. Wise. Oh, you mean in the context of the story, where do these new costumes yeah. come from? Is this what they had in mind? Is this how they've redesigned themselves with Phoenix costumes? In which case, Emma Frost really doesn't like wearing much, does she? No. Why does he just walk around naked all the time? It would save a lot of time. Just spray paint an X on it? Yeah, because it surely takes an awful lot of effort to get into those costumes. Yeah. Just walk around with nothing on. Shave herself. Paint an X across her nipples. No one would ever know, would they? <laughs> you know, because you can do body paint yeah. that makes you look at somebody and go, are they wearing clothes or have they been body painted? Nobody would know. It's not like she wears enough to be worth wearing. <laughs> There'd be no difference. No. No one would know. Apart from she got a pimple or something. <laughs> um, the Phoenix Force infecting the wall and not just hope was a novel little twist, although I suspected some twist is coming on the base of it being issue 6 of 12, which it does, because yeah. I have now read the rest of this series, and uh, I was quite happy with how it all played out for the most part. Mm. I have a few minor niggles with the last issue, but we'll go through that when we get there. Uh, Romita Jr.'s art's great, and I have to say that the different writers on this gig are doing a pretty bang-up job of making, making sorry, each chapter as similar as possible in a good way. No writer is sticking out on this. Do you know what I mean? And uh, when your story is interconnected to this one, that's a pretty good thing. Speaking of which, who did this one? Uh, I think we forgot to do the we, credits. I think we forgot to do the credits on all of them, haven't yeah. we? We've been so... We've been so caught up in the storyline, we've actually forgot to do credits on any of these issues, including last time. The story for the whole thing was concocted by Jason Aaron, Brian Michael Bendis, Ed Brubacker, Matt Fraction and Jonathan Hickman. This particular issue was written by Matt Fraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did a, a pretty pretty decent job with it, didn't he? I think the art... The, the art's good, but at times it slips. Yeah. See, I think John Jr.'s been knocking it out of the park on this one. We've mentioned before in the show how much he seems to have become a device, divisive figure in the comic book industry. Yeah, well, even you have said, particularly about his Captain America now, that there are things... Yeah. In which... Well, I've said in his evolutionary tract as an artist, there are now things that I'm not as fond of mm. as, say, when he was doing Spider-Man and the X-Men in the, the 80s. But I, I can't fault this one. None of his little idiosyncrasies are in this. There's nobody with skinny ankles. There's nobody with blobby noses. His Murray Jane looked awful sometimes. Yeah. I just think it's a real shame. This isn't this his last issue mm-hmm. before he turns it over to Oliver Copiel and was it Adam Cubert or Andy Cubert? Adam. Which I think's a real shame because I did miss him as it went along. Mm. Um, were there any tie-ins to this one that we need to cover? Um, well, there is Uncanny X Men. 
which shows what Magneto and Storm were doing during the moon battle and shows Unit use danger to escape from Utopia. Who's Unit? Unit is like this robot bloke who's captured on Utopia and he's a really clever guy who everyone goes to to talk to but he's actually a scumbag. So it's not the the army division task force from the Doctor Who serials of no. the 70s and 80s then? Huh. And you know who Danger Danger is, don't you? I have no idea who Danger is. <laughs> in in Josh Whedon's Starship X Men, she was the Danger Room person. Oh, the Danger Room when it became sentient. Yeah. Yes. That storyline wasn't very well remar- remembered, was it? Mm. Some people kind of <laughs> all over that. One. Um, what's next, Mike? Uh, next up is A versus X Three. The cover is by Ed McGuinness and shows the two fights on the inside, which is magic and. Scarlet Witch and Colossus and Thing. Black Widow! You do what I'm doing now. What, what we I keep call? calling her Scarlet Witch because of Scarlet Johansson. Yeah, I didn't even do that. I just saw red and thought, <laughs> it's Black you Widow. know what? Red, no, close enough. Mary Jane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not Scarlet Witch. It's not Scarlet Johansson either. No. It's the Black Widow. Um, the Thing versus Colossus, we'll remember to do the credits this week, yes. was by Jeff Loeb and Ed McGuinness. Um, Black yeah, Widow versus red Magic. Hook. Red Hulk's in it, so it must be done by Jeff, Jeff Logan Ed McGuinness. Black Widow vs. Magic was by Christopher Yost and Terry and Rachel Dodson. Um, go on, give us the synopsis of the first one. Alright then, Colossus vs. The Thing. Colossus wins. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, this, this, it, so. yeah, this isn't us. Uh, let's just give you a, a synopsis. The front page of these comics begins with a, a witty... Mm editorial oh, comment yeah with uh, pretending to be a question and answer from the uh, the comic books creator so uh, we will enact this out for you so you can decide whether you think this is witty okay. or irritating do you want to be Q or A? I'll be Q okay say what's this comic I'm reading? what? Did you buy it by accident? it's versus issue 3 your one stop shop to see Avengers and X-Men pounding each other's faces off in one on one fights issue 3 you say uh oh I missed the first two issues. Don't sweat it. This is all about the fights and zero about stupid things like plot. You can read this issue all on its own, but you can still buy issues one and two at your comic shop, all from the Marvel app on your smart thingy. Wait, but isn't this part of the big Avengers vs. X-Men crossover? Yes, but you didn't hear me, insulting the very concept of plot. Sure, this issue takes place during A vs. X-5, when the Avengers and the X-Men are fighting on the moon, but just go with the flow, bro. You'll get it. Hey, what does... AR, copyright and trademark, mean. That's the symbol for Marvel's AR, augmented reality app. When you see this, AR, copyright, trademark, open up the Marvel AR app, available on applicable Apple, iOS, or Android devices, and you can use trademark, (laughs) rates reserved, and use your camera-enabled smartphone to unlock extra special exclusive features. So, I gotta go buy a phone and read the comic I already bought? No way! Come on, it's like you don't know me at all. You can read this story without the app, and it totally still makes sense! That all? For now. But I've got my eye on you. So that's at the beginning of every single issue. It's different every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different Q and a different A every time. Having a different conversation about different so things. But the, for every issue, someone writes up a smart ass. I mean, witty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Intro. A witty editorial. Yeah. So basically, they are mocking the idea that this comic even has anything close to a plot. Mm. It's people pounding the crap out of each other. So. I think you pretty much decided your synopsis was going to be uh, versus her and who wins. And that's fair enough. I thought it throws a left punch up into a wall. Yeah, yeah. so basically Colossus fights the thing, Colossus wins. Um, 
The king of decompression, Mr. Jeff Loeb, crams 18 panels onto page one, mm. which I thought was awesome. Yeah. And there are 18 excellent panels. Colossus and Art versus Red Hulk. Red Hulk wins, yeah. as you would expect him to do. But it's great. I, I really did love that front page. And I loved Red Hulk just punching him with a double-handed punch and Colossus just flying backwards, mm. headfirst into a wall, where the Thing meets him. <laughs> I like how the Thing shows up. Yeah, it's like the Thing's just there. <laughs> He's just like, ah, looky here. It ain't even my birthday. <laughs> Which was funny. Yeah. Wasn't it? It was very funny. Um, one of the things that we did mention about this in last week's show was that they are playing extremely fast and loose with continuity in these stories. But nowhere in Avengers vs. X-Men number 5, apart from on the variant cover, did the thing fight Colossonaut. Nowhere. Nowhere in the issue did this happen. Yeah. Was there anywhere that this could have happened anywhere? Probably not. Anywhere, anywhere. Say anywhere twice. Anywhere. Okay. But there are also fights in a temple here. Yeah. But there wasn't one. But Scott will show up in an infinite issue on the blue side of the moon and show up where Jean Grey died, which was like an industrial part. Yeah. So, in addition to not questioning it about plot, we're supposed to not even think about the continuity either, apparently. No. Concentrate on the the fights. Concentrate on the pretty. Yes. Which, in this case, is the artwork, which is very pretty. I did, I loved it here on page, uh, is this page eight, where um, the fight takes them out of the moon. No, I've like gone too far there. Uh, page seven, sorry, where the thing throws a brick down Colossus's throat. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, that was hysterical. I like, I like the following page where um, it, it fixes on the same spot, but it shows them getting yeah. further and further and out. Yeah, so the, the camera, for want of a better word, doesn't move, but Colossus and the thing run further and further away into the moon mm. and out of the construct so that they're somewhere where the thing needs to breathe because they're outside the blue area of the moon, whereas Colossus apparently doesn't need to breathe, which I didn't understand, but whatever. Um, Colossonaut beats the crap out of the thing once they're outside the blue area of the moon, culminating in a full-page splash homage to Kirby, because mm-hmm. there's actually an after Kirby there. Um, do you know what issues the FF that was from? No. No, I couldn't find it either, and I did look it up. I failed. I meant to look it up before we recorded again and see if I could find it, but... I failed there and all. Uh, it does look like Colossus gives the thing a black eye, though. Yeah. Um, so the end of this one basically had Colossus not defeating the thing. <laughs> okay. I get that somebody thinks the X-Men are awesome. <laughs> but given the thing has gone toe-to-toe with some of the heaviest hitters in the Marvel Universe, I didn't buy this including at all. Hulk. Including the Hulk. So I didn't buy this at all. Also, Colossonaut lures the thing outside of the blue area of the moon to fight where the thing has no air. Yet when he wins, he just leaves the thing there, doesn't he? Yeah. So, wouldn't the thing suffocate? Yes. I'll, I'll notice the subliminal imagery on that page of the, the flag. Yes. The American so, flag waving. So, presumably, they are fighting where the Apollo mission landed. I do. I like the backgrounds. Yeah. There's a lovely little shot of Earth rising in the background that's really nice. The artwork's brilliant. Yeah. And I have to confess, I enjoyed that. I just don't buy that the thing would ever mm. fall before Colossus. Well, one of the cool things about this chapter as well is not only is the art really good, but the panel structure is similar to Death of Superman. The, oh. the number of panels goes down by about one or two panels per page. Yes! You're absolutely right. You've got a nine-panel grid on page four. You've got the, what did I say, 18-panel grid yeah. on page one. You've got the nine-panel grid on page two. Drops to eight 
on the next page, six on the next page, four on the next page, three, two, one, yeah, and then a double page splash, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Did you know? I did not notice that. Well done. Hmm. Uh, next up is Black Widow versus Magic. Once again, <laughs> X-Men wins. Yeah, Magic, Magic wins. wins. Yeah, um, I couldn't bring myself to care about this one, to be honest with you. Because going into this, I knew Magic would win. These stories are exceptionally biased mm. in favour of the X-Men. And also, I think we need to point out, for people who are listening who may not be sure, I'm neither a woman yeah. nor a spy. But I'm sure it would be easier for the Black Widow to fight if her costume fastened all the way up so her boobs weren't hitting her in the face whenever she throws a punch. Well, I've played enough Arkham City to know that that's not true. Yo, but that woman's unfeasible boobs in that one. Yeah. Zip them up, woman. They're just going to get in your way. Either zip them up or don't wear a top. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Either way. Makes more sense to me. See, I, I found this fight quite dull. Yeah, you and me both. And I know both fighters are Russian, but it, it would be nice if they spoke English or we had translations. Why? Have they got somewhere to be? What? The Russian. The Russian to fight each other. I'm sorry, that was awful. Yeah. I mean, the art looks good, doesn't it? Yeah, the, the art by the Dodsons is very pretty, because if we know anything about the Dodsons, it's that they draw unfeasibly large breasts very nicely. Mm. Um, but, as I said, I, I knew going into this, Magic's going to win. Because we just seem All like... the X-Men win. Yeah, the X-Men seem to win every time, which is getting a bit tedious at this point. Mm. Um... So that's that one out of the way. Crossovers, dude. X-Men Legacy is about Frenzy looking after some civilians near a terrorist camp after the Phoenix Five destroy the base. Chandler and Joey, innit? No, they are not. If it's about friends. Did I say Frenzy? Oh. She, she's like some feminist X-Man with like a mohawk. Does she not complain about the name X-Man then? Apparently not. X-Woman. <laughs> She goes to the toilet, stood up as well. Oh, I don't want to know. <laughs> Stop it. That's A- Avengers Academy 32 and 33 are about Emma wanting to destroy the Sentinel that Justin has. Who's Justin? Oh, this kid at Avengers Academy who has a Sentinel as a best friend. He's that lonely. Okay. He's reprogrammed it. Is it like that old episode of Battlestar Galactica where Starbuck rebuilt a silent after he crash-landed on a yeah. planet with him? He's, he's reprogrammed it. Right. But couldn't get rid of its primary objective, which is to, to kill, kill mutants. So what it's done is it set a few more objectives to protect Justin, but like killing mutants is its last objective. So, so like do the dishes, yeah, make the bed. It's like do the dishes before you kill the mutants. <laughs> and then he just has to make sure that the dishes are never finished. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets to the last plate, and uh, your brother will walk in, and I've just had two dozen of the plate for you, and he's like, oh, just wanted to get to killing the mutants. <laughs> And then, oh, by the way, we need you to make the beds before you can kill the mutants. It's like, but there's 18 beds in this house, man! Yeah. Right, okay, fair enough. But apparently this robot has feelings, and the entire... Of course, yes. Does. And the entire academy fight back, but she destroys it anyway. Little does she know, however, that Quicksilver took its heart so fast that none of them saw it, so that they can rebuild the Sentinel with the same heart. Oh, if I only had a heart. Mm-hmm. That does sound very Wizard of Oz. It, the Wizard of X. Very bad is what it is. Uh, okay, fair enough. Uncanny X-Men 14 is about Mr. Sinister setting up his own army of other Mr. Sinisters and wait for Scott to come. 
So it's like, it's him going, ah, he's a phoenix now. I'll make my own army and wait for him to come. Where's he got all the Mr. Sinisters from? He clones them. He he's cloned himself. He sets up his fur and turns everyone into Mr. Sinister. Moving on. <laughs> Next up is Avengers vs. X-Men Infinite issue 6. That came with Avengers vs. X-Men issue 6. Oh, is this another one of them digital comic things? Yeah. Right, let's... Oh, the credits are on the last page on this one. Power up the uh, digital comic. The credits for this one, co-plotted and scripted by Mark Wade. With Yves Bigrel. Who co-plotted and storyboarded. Carlo Barberi did pencils and inks. And various other people did other stuff that I don't really care about because there's far too many people credited on these things nowadays. And the issue is called In a Handful of Dust. Yeah, it's another one of those digital comic things that you need to read on a tablet of some description. It's really cool, so do it. Yeah. Um, Scott states that he's the ruler of Utopia in the X-Men, but struggles coping with the telepathy and so inadvertently goes to the same spot on the moon where Jean Grey died and recreates her out of moon dust and talks to her about his humanity in the Phoenix. After they finish, Scott's decided that he won't let the Phoenix change him and flies away. 68 pages and that was it? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like it's a digital comic concerning Cyclops making himself ruler of the world. The opening couple of pages reminded me of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode Earshot. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Where Buffy gets the ability to read minds from a and demon. so it becomes everyone. But yeah. if Buffy's everyone, then we don't become anyone, so... But I am my thoughts. <laughs> so if Buffy knows my thoughts, then she is me. So who does that make me? Yeah, yeah that one. Um, it's very good. Oh, Buffy learns that this is fun at first. And slowly, over the course of the episode... One of the finest episodes of what was arguably the finest season of the show, she learns that actually being able to read minds is not that great of a power, especially when you can't turn it off. Scott Summers essentially realises the same thing here and relates it to Dean, Dean Grey, which was like Jean Grey, only an older brother. Her brother. Hmm. Uh, Jean Grey, and now she seemed to handle this with ease. This goes a long way to explaining his actions and informs all of Scott's decisions throughout the series, his constant love for Jean. It's what actually gives this story some emotional resonance, especially over something like Civil War, which I hate to keep banging on about, but thematically, they are actually very similar. Yeah. So, I'm going to keep bringing it up. Sorry about that. Uh, this leads Scott to the very area of the moon where Jean died. With some cool... I like the bits that pop up, the flashback bits that pop up around them. Yeah, like the, the digital comic, the way the digital comic works, if you've never read one of these things before, is panels like to the left of the screen will stay the same and then as you swipe different dialogue boxes or captions or other panels will pop up so even though it says like it's 68 pages for example on page 21 Cyclops is remembering Wolverine and Storm in the blue area of the moon and if you swipe over it Cyclops himself doesn't actually move well, he apart from his head, head turns and then different captions appear so that's considered two pages there are a few bits where you can see where they've done layers. Yeah. Where they've not aligned properly and you can see the layers on top of each other. Yeah. So that's how it's structured. Um, it has to be said, I don't think the art here is anywhere near as good as the Burn Austin original. Mm. And I do wonder why they just couldn't include some of the Burn Austin artwork like they've been doing a lot in the Spider-Man books recently. Yeah. They've, been, they've actually been including panels from old stories, haven't they, when they've done flashbacks? I've not been reading it. 
So I don't know why they couldn't do something similar to that, yeah. unless it would have incurred paying those people money. Mm. So maybe they, they I didn't find this issue do that. funny because it highlights his costume more, and yes. we can see all the leather straps on his boots. Yeah, which which went down well with other costumes such as Mysterio's. Well, why would you if you've made yourself a costume out of the Phoenix Force? Why would you give it so many toggles and things? Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't see the point of that. To be honest with you, um, he manifests Gene by his powers, the almost unlimited power of the Phoenix Force. There are some very interesting character bits in this. I thought this bit was the best of the issue, especially animation-wise. Yeah, it, it really is. that The bit where Jean opens her eye yeah. on the digital comic is like an animated cartoon. Mm. It's really, really well done. Um, Jean pointed out that Scott's made his costume look like hers. Although I do have to say, the big arrow pointing at his crotch has got me stumped. Um, and that he's obviously deluding himself into believing he can control the Phoenix Force. Interestingly... This will be the basis for Captain America's argument for stopping the X-Men, despite all the good they do. So again, thematically, you're dealing with absolute power corrupting absolutely. Um, see, I didn't dislike this at all. I actually quite enjoyed reading it. But I think I enjoyed reading it because once more it was more of an exercise in how cool digital comics can be. Yeah. Rather than a compelling story in its own right. It succeeds admirably as a digital comic, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. There's some excellent visual effects in it. How it all works together is interesting. And the story's engaging, if ultimately irrelevant to the overall arc. Um, One of the things I have liked about Avengers vs. X-Men is that I've not felt in any way lost just reading the core stories. Mm. If anything, you feel more lost if you read the Titans. Yeah, whereas with this, Blackest Night could have been much better at that. Mm. couldn't it whereas with this I've only read Avengers vs X-Men A vs X and the digital ones mm. and I've gone through the whole thing now and feel like I have had a satisfying read I don't feel like I've had to read all 17 tie-ins to get the full story I don't feel like I've missed out by not reading any of the tie-ins in fact you're making it pretty apparent that I've not no so because so I think that's maybe why I've enjoyed this I think if I'd read the tie-ins yeah. I'd have been this dragging this out aren't they but because I've only read the 12 issues and then the 6 issue fight stuff I think that would explain why I'm enjoying it immensely Yeah, um, it was alright again it does show off why digital comics are more than just scanning a comic in and putting it on your tablet Yeah. to me I flipped through the hardcover of this in Manchester yesterday mm. and it looks much better on paper than it does digitally what, the infinite stuff? no no the regular comics did you see the infinite stuff? I didn't see it in the... Has that been reprinted in the, yeah. the hardcover? Yes. Right, so no, I'll have to have a look at that next time I pick it I up. I want to see how they do it. Yeah, I would have looked at that if I'd noticed. Because apparently that's, some reviewers have brought it down because of that. Well, one of the things that's always been disappointing to me about digital comics so far is making something digital isn't just a case of scanning it in and sticking it on a tablet. No. That's not digital. That's just something that's scanned in. Mm. To truly make a digital comic for the same way Something to make a... Yeah, exclusively digital. Exclusively for the digital. The same way for making a 3D movie. You yeah. have to make it exclusively for that medium. Taking a 2D movie and converting it to 3D... Just a 2D, 3D movie. ...is not making a 3D movie. Yeah. I never sat through Star Wars and thought, you know what, I'd make this film better. <laughs> 3D. 
<clears throat> and it's the same with digital. While it's made it much easier to get hold of a bunch of comics we could ultimately never afford, yeah. I still actually prefer reading comics in print mm. in the same way that I prefer reading books in print. But There's something about the feeling of like hardbacks and... Yeah, and, the lay- and the layouts and the way it's, de- it's designed to be seen on paper. Yeah. Whereas these infinite books are designed to be seen digitally. And succeed. So, to me, what you should be doing... To make the two of them work together, he's not just releasing your comics digitally as well, day and date and all that gubbins. You release your comics to the comic store and you release a digital series digitally and don't reprint that on paper. Yeah. <coughs> it seems to me that would be the way to make it work. Because the, one of the things they're doing with digital <coughs> comics is they're doing them digitally, such as Legends of the Dark Knight, Smallville, mm. and then. And then they're just printing them. Yeah. So when you read a digital Legends of the Dark Knight or a digital Smallville, for example, I've not read either one of them, are they digital comics or are they just comics digitally? The slightly reformatted comics digitally. See, because these are digital comics. Yeah. These Ra- two infinites. Rather than your portrait, your average portrait, nine panel yeah. pages, what there is, the landscape and focus on like two or three panels per So page. when they've turned that into a comic, what have they done with it? I've no idea. Repositioned the panels so it's portrait, not landscape? Probably. Right. I'd have to have a look. I'll do it so there's two or three pages per... Yeah. I'll have to have a look at that and, and have a look at what I think of it. But to me, there's more to making something digital than scanning it in. Yeah. And there's more to making a 3D movie than taking an old film and 3D in it. Mm. To me, that's no different than colorizing it. Yes, you have now made this film in colour. Have you improved the film in any way? Probably not. No. Casablanca in colour is no better a film. Did they do Casablanca in colour? I think they did a colourised version of Casablanca, yeah. yeah. In fact, it's arguably worse because it was shot in black and white. It was designed to be seen in black and white. Yeah. And it's the same with when you make a 2D, 3D conversion of a movie. It wasn't designed for 3D. You may make it adequate 3D. Yeah. But you couldn't, you're not telling me that's how it was designed to be seen. Anyway, we went on a tangent, though. We did. So now we're looking at Avengers vs. X-Men 6. So let me just pick that one up. Six. Is that that one? Yeah. yeah. Six has another Jim Chung cover of the Phoenix Five walking all moodily <laughs> towards us. A Nick Bradshaw cover of the Scarlet Witch looking all beaten up. A black and white variant. Uh, an Oliver Copiel, Koypel cover of Thor fighting Storm. I'd say that's quite pale. Okay. And team variants. Um, I like the Scarlet Witch cover, especially the Pencils variant, which, I'm sorry, I thought, again, was Arthur Adams. Yeah. Who is that? Who did you say that was? Um, Scarlet Witch. Nick Bradshaw. Yeah. He's learned at the feet of Arthur Adams and J. Scott Campbell, hasn't he? Yeah. But the Pencils version of that is awesome. I like the Thor and... Do you like the Corpial Thor vs. Storm one? Yeah. Um, I think Copel does a great thought because he was the one who he was the one who rebooted it with Straczynski, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Um, I don't mind Copel's artwork, but his faces look flat. So at least Thor face looks flat. Mm. Maybe that's just an intentional artistic touch. Though. Yeah. Um, this one was written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Oliver Copel, Matt Morales. Sense. This one does have a few. Hickmanisms in it. Does it? Yeah. Uh, see, I don't know enough about Hickman to say what are Hickmanisms. Fair enough. Carry on. Ten days after the fight on the moon, Charles Xavier pays Utopia a visit. Upon his arrival, he meets Magneto and sees how the Phoenix Five have remodeled Utopia into a huge futuristic system. He heads to Scott where they talk about people fearing the Phoenix. 
but how Scott believes they are doing the right thing and that one day people will thank them. Two days later at Avengers Tower, Iron Fist tells Cap about a recent run-in with Colossus where he saves them from electrical beings. The Avengers all plan on ways to stop the Phoenixes, but Hank leaves, believing that they're doing the right thing and helping out the world whilst all the Avengers want to do is stop that from happening. Back at Utopia, Scott tempts Hope with the Phoenix Force but takes it away, saying she could have had it all their power if she hadn't turned it down. In Kaon Lun, <laughs> the ancient city where Kung Fu was born, the hero Lei Kung pays a visit to an old man about the Phoenix. He tells Lei Kung that the Phoenix has arrived to Earth a long time ago and it was stopped by an Iron Fist. Phoenix arrived long time ago! Love you long time! And that they would need a new Iron Fist to stop it this time. Days earlier, the Phoenix Five had stood at the UN and promised them water and food and declared no more war. Pax Utopia. Elsewhere, Wanda Maximoff sees the end of the Avengers. The Avengers send a strike team into Utopia to take Hope away, but Emma notices and confronts them with Scott. She beats the Avengers, but before she can do any damage, the Scarlet Witch appears and stops them, hurting Scott, and take Hope and the Avengers away. After they leave, Scott declares, no more Avengers. That's becoming quite the truth, that, isn't it? No more insert name here. Well, this is supposed to reflect House of M. Yeah, no more mutants. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Oliver Koypel. We're having trouble with that now, man. Koypel. Yeah. <laughs> Copulate. He's French, so he just... Yeah. So he does copulate quite frequently <laughs> if he's French. Um, takes over as artist. I presume we're going to have a minor difference of opinion on this. Yes. Um, for myself, I thought, this not a jarring change, but I prefer Ramita Jr. for this kind of story. Koypel's a fine artist, but when the superheroes clash, I want to feel like the walls are shaking and Koypel's art just doesn't have that power, for me, anyway. Um, I've already mentioned I think some of his faces look squashed. Mm. He did a good job on Thor, though. Yes. Whereas you prefer the artwork from now on, don't you? I do. I prefer Kuypel's art. Why? I just prefer it. Right. Is this just one of those eye of the beholder things? Yeah. Wouldn't it something like that? Because I'd, I'd, I'd never say I prefer Kuypel to John Jr. Mm. But in this series, next to each other, I think it, it does look better. See, I preferred John Jr. for this kind of story, although I did, like I say, Coypel, Coypel, Copulet, was great. Oliver Copulet was great on Thor. Yeah. So I think, I think it's more of a case of, they have made, yeah, they've made a big deal in the past about covering their asses when books were late Mm. by saying that when this is all printed in trade paperback and it's on people's shelves 6, 12 months from now, years from now, whatever. Yeah. They're only bothered that as a Gestalt entity, Gestalt, it's all one artist and one writer and one creative vision. That's all that matters. Can you imagine, I think Quisada said once, if Dark Knight Returns had had a fill-in artist? <laughs> so what's the difference between that and this? Why did John Jr. not um, draw all of this? Because I'm well, sure he was capable of. He could say. I'm, I mean, I'm not sure about the Adam Kubert stuff, because, hmm. you know, but with the, the John Jr. and the Coypel stuff, it's this is like a different chapter. Yes, this is stage two of the story. Yeah. Of the, at this point. So it's a different artist for a different chapter. So you think that Koypel doing the utopian chapters yeah. were the X-Men have taken the world and reshaped it in their own image, mm. whereas John Jr. did the big fighty bits, which yeah. he does very well. Yeah. All right, fair enough. And then Adam Kubert did the big fighty bits at the end. Yes. All right, I can go with that. 
Um, Professor X arrives on Utopia to have a look round. I can't see Charles being happy with Utopia, as it currently is. Although... I can see him being happy with Utopia, but maybe not... Not how they got there. Yeah. Hmm. Because Utopia is essentially what Charles wanted. Yes. But I, I do think the splash pages and all the pages of the Phoenix Force changing the world are pretty damn cool. Yeah. Just it's also interesting seeing what they're doing in work. Yeah, you've got um, magic in Africa. Creating farms. Creating farms using rain, essentially, aren't they? They're conjuring up rain. Yeah. And then in the Penelcia, the Tamar Penelcia, Colossus is overseeing the, the, the growth of crops. And in the Aleutian Trench, Name was doing something. Tracing water pipes. <laughs> is that what he was doing? Yeah. And Emma Frost is showing off her new costume. Because if you're underneath her, you're getting a pretty good view in the Gobi Desert. What the hell is she doing that? Heat in the Gobi Desert. She's do- Yeah, that makes no sense. Unless... She's making energy yeah. of some description. Which is what Zax will end up doing in a future issue as well, isn't it? Mm. Um, so in between issues... The X-Men have essentially been fixing the world. Have they not seen Superman 4? Uh, no, like anyone else. Too. Like sensible people, yeah. is what you were going to say. Uh, this never works out. Superman tried to rid the world of nuclear weapons in Superman 4. It did not go well. Yes. And I'm willing to bet that this also... <laughs> I love the end of does not go well. We just weren't ready to not have nuclear weapons. No, so Superman, give them all us back <laughs> and give us a future chance to destroy ourselves. Okay. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. The end. Well, the Superman just takes all the nuclear missiles away. No one's got a problem with it. No, and why people cheer him. Yeah. Cheer him, they do. <laughs> but anyway. Yes. The Zacks scene that I was talking about earlier on is in this in this very issue. Colossus, a conversation between himself and Zax. <laughs> Iron Fist merely comments that he can't speak electric. Which I thought was very funny. Mm. I actually I, 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 I was genuinely... This bit here where it starts off, it's very similar to Civil War here, where they're yep. underground and on the run and hiding from everyone. Mm. There's a lot of Civil War parallels, which is why I keep bringing it up. Yeah. I don't want to keep bringing up Civil War, because inevitably whenever I do that, I'm negative. Because mm. I thought Civil War was tripe, for yeah. the most part. This is Civil War done properly. This is the superheroes fighting, and there being a genuinely good reason for why it's happening. Uh, there's a nice twist in this bit between Iron Fist and Captain America, where Iron Fist is relating a story to Captain America where they were fighting with Zax and then Colossus showed up and Captain America's also go on what happened next big fight and Iron Fist's like no yeah Colossus brings the whole thing to a close without fisticuffs in contrast to the Avengers who were getting their heads handed to them which is a nice way of highlighting what the X-Men are hoping to accomplish and plants the seeds in the reader's mind that it's possible Captain America's wrong about yeah. this. I mean, we don't think he is because we've got no story. Well, I thought he was. But it's possible that he's wrong. And again, I think this is why this story's working for me. The writers are trying to explain both sides in a logical way that works with the characterization being uppermost and fitting in with the story. Mm. Why did you think Cap was wrong? Because Cap is someone who strikes me as someone who wants peace and everything, he's only mm. fighting to accomplish that peace. Yes. So when someone shows up and is helping the world and is creating this piece, Cap, I think, was played very out of character. Essentially, he's been 
you know, he's trying to stop them just because he doesn't agree with how they got the power to be able to do that. Have you ever seen that episode of Star Trek called Where No Man Has Gone Before? The one with Gary Mitchell and the glowy eyes and yeah. he gets superpowers. In this, Captain America's Spock. Yeah. Gary Mitchell can do all these wonderful things and he can do all this benefit to mankind, but the power is slowly driving him insane. Mm. And Kirk doesn't want to see it. Yeah. And Spock's very, no, you've got to kill him. Mm. And in this, Captain America is taking that role. He knows what Phoenix does. He knows what a dictatorship, even a benevolent dictatorship, but then leads to. So does Scott. Scott knows better than like, anyone exactly. else what Phoenix does. Yes. But it still happens to him. Yeah. Which is ultimately the point of the story. Mm. Scott knows what the Phoenix Force does, and he still lets it do it to him. Yeah. But I had a problem with the ending, but again, that's something we'll get to next week when we actually get to the last issue. Uh, my favourite page in this issue was the, was page 19, where the beast leaves. Yeah. I thought this was really well done, because the beast has this crisis of conscience, where he can so he can see no reason to continue to hound the X-Men. As they've done what you've just said. They've finally achieved their goal. They have made a world that is tolerant of everybody. And he asks the question, isn't this what we've worked for? Avengers and X-Men, mutant and homo sapien. Isn't this what we wanted? Yeah. And the scene where he, he quits the Avengers because of it is, I thought, was the most powerful scene in the issue. Because, again, both points of view are explained but it what got me about this bit was where he quits and Wolverine says where do you think you're going and the beast says nowhere more and more each day it looks like I have no place to call my home because essentially by siding with the Avengers he's shunned by the X-Men he's shunned by the X-Men by disagreeing with the Avengers he's shunned by the Avengers so he's got nowhere to call his home even in this utopian society the beast doesn't fit in Mm. Which I thought was a lovely little touch on alienation. And well played. Well done. Well written. Well handled. Very well. My favourite page of the issue. Yeah. And probably my favourite scene of the story so far that hasn't involved just somebody getting the head punched in. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with the head punchy in bits. No, no. We like those a great deal. Um, further to this, T'Challa, a.k.a. the Black Panther, abstains on page 33 um, from joining the Avengers in the task to get Hope back on the grounds that he's a de facto elected official of a country. So politically, it's not wise for him to intervene while the Avengers are essentially plotting to kidnap somebody from Utopia. Even yeah. if they're they're not exactly under presidential orders, but the president knows what they're doing, doesn't he? Yeah. Because we've already seen them consulting with the president and explaining to him the plan, and he backing the Avengers rather than the X-Men. So we've already seen all of that. Um, but also, I did like that the Black Panther sides with the Beast. Because mm. he sees what the yeah. X-Men are doing. Yeah. I cannot support the action. However well-intentioned it may be as a head of state. But also, if I don't agree with it. Mm. And it's interesting that he has that opinion, yet later on, Wakanda will be the place that gets decimated. Yeah. when the X-Men do finally turn to the dark side. And at that point, he was like, he realises, wait a minute, I was wrong. They do need to be stopped. 
But I liked... But even then, it wasn't the X-Men, it was Namor. Yeah, it was Namor. Because they knew actually say, I thought it was Namor, just be Namor. Yeah. Because <laughs> the guy is an arrogant <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Let's be honest. And he does have a temper on him. Mm. So, yeah, I thought this was another great issue. With the caveat that, as we pointed out, it's a Star Trek episode, but the characterisation works all the way through it. We understand Cap's point of view, but we also understand the Black Panther and the Beast and why they want nothing to do with it. We see what Cyclops is trying to achieve, but understand why what he's doing may not be for the best. And the final line shows why. No More Avengers is obviously a nod to No More Mutants, largely due to Scarlet Witch being the hidden weapon on the Avengers team, but it also shows how far... Cyclops is willing to go. Do you know, after being horrendously disappointed with every single Marvel crossover since, and including Civil War, I'm actually surprised by how much fun this is. Yeah. Um, when they all jump out of the plane at the end, what the hell are they wearing? Battle variant um, as Oh, for the action figures. Supplied by Hasbro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <Kenner. laughs> yeah. I, I think that this is probably the best issue of the lot, or what I've read so far. Say I like issue nine. Well, I've only read up to the end of the show. Right. Uh, but I think this is the best issue so far. And whilst the first five issues were essentially one big fight, we now have an issue of story and plot development, and it's pretty strong stuff as well. Yeah, it's really it's good. It's not just let's further the plot. It's let's make you think. God damn it. Yeah, there is the more much more than Civil War. This made me think whose side I would really have been on. Yeah. In, in in actuality because with Civil War Millard did such a piss poor job of characterising everyone in Civil War anywhere yeah. that to make it work he didn't show both points of view as being viable he made Tony Stark to be the bad guy yeah. didn't he? that's essentially what he did to make that story work mm-hmm. and by doing that he made his story not work because the instant you make Tony the bad guy then you're instantly not on the bad guy's side yeah. He made no effort whatsoever to make that story so that you saw Tony's point of view and you as the reader felt Tony's point of view was valid. I did, though. I don't think he did. I th- I, no, I can see in that story of how there is both sides and how Tony's as yeah, good as is, Steve. I just felt that Steve had more a stronger side than Tony's. See, no, my, my thought on that was what he set up was a good idea, mm. but he didn't... He didn't play Tony as being the good guy which he should have done which would have made Civil War be much more difficult for us because essentially in terms of the story Captain America's the bad guy he's the one defying the law and yet from page one you're on Cap's side yeah exactly yeah. so he didn't do a good enough job of writing it that at any point you thought being on Tony's side was the right thing to do mm. you instantly weren't and that's why the story doesn't work whereas this one Certainly you're at this point, like yes, you're changing sides. As of this issue, you're yeah. like, well, what's Cap's big problem? <laughs> the X-Men, they're just fixing the world. They're not setting themselves up as your new king. Yeah, They're not coming down and saying, we are now your rulers. They're not doing that. And But slowly over the course of the coming issues, you'll see why Cap's doing what he's doing and you'll understand it. And it's, yeah. it's I thought this was really well done. Really quite impressive. Um, New Avengers 25 and 26 are about the old cut on one prophecy (laughs) and uh, the training of the first Iron Fist who fought the Phoenix, who was a red-haired girl. Was she? Yes. Uh Uh, 
Avengers 28 is about Red Hulk being sent to assassinate Scott, but being beaten by the X-Men and sent back to the Avengers, branded with a huge X on his chest. Uncanny X-Men 15 and 17 are about the X-Men finding and fighting Mr. Sinister, uh, which is then followed by Avengers vs. X-Men 7 with a Jim Chung cover of the Avengers being sent DEATH FROM ABOVE! <laughs> a cover by Sarah Picelli of Emma holding Haw- Hawkeye and a black and white variant and a cover of Scott fighting Hawkeye by Isad Rihik and the two team variants. My favourite is the Isad Ribic cover of Hawkeye versus Scott Summers. Why? Because of the realistic dynamicness of it. Right. Especially when you see the pencils. Yeah. On the black and white covers. Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Um, I prefer the main cover. Because mm. it just looks like Cyclops' eye beaming them from above. Which Again, you don't see Cyclops because the logo. Well be there, actually, the but... logo covers a good half of the page. Mm. Um, I thought that, was, that looks very Chris Bacalo to me. That main cover. I could be wrong about that. You want to tell us what happens in this one? The X-Men contain Avengers Tower and locate the Avengers and jump them. Or do we want to tell the people who wrote it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt Fraction wrote this one. <laughs> Oliver Copel and Mark Morales were still the art team. <laughs> Carry on. The X-Men contain Avengers Tower and locate the Avengers and jump them. Tony uses Wanda to watch and store data on how to beat the X-Men but get outgunned and retreat. But Hawkeye's attacked and burned before he can reach the portal. Tony and T'Challa look for solutions to stop the X-Men, with Tony blaming himself for starting the problem with the Iron Giant. T'Challa says the way to stop the Phoenix is outside science and within the realm of the spirit. Captain plans for several attack teams to allow Stark to collect more data, and Doctor Strange uses a charm to make one person in each team look like the Scarlet Witch, as the X-Men all fear her because she can harm them. However, they realise that not all of her are really her. Her actual team is attacked by Namor and the Avengers escape, but seconds before they do, Namor takes Wanda away from the portal. Before Namor can attack her, she sends him back to Utopia. But Namor leaves Scott, telling him that he's a bad ruler. Iron Fist takes Lakehook to Tony, where he tells him that they need to take up to Unlun at Utopia. At Utopia, Emma talks to Namor about Scott, kisses him and tells him that the Avengers are holding hope in Wakanda, but she hasn't told Scott. At Wakanda, Kung and Iron Fist prefer to take hope to K'un but a scout informs Black Panther that Namor is attacking. Uh, page one, more than ever, it looks like Cyclops is wearing a G-string. <laughs> yeah. I like that first page because it's it's very that's our ta- that's our task. This is who we are. Attack. Mm. So it gets in straight away, even though before this issue we don't know what we're doing. And yet my eyes are just drawn to the fact that Cyclops is wearing a G-string. What? And not that Emma Frost isn't wearing anything. Well, I'm used to Emma Frost not wearing <laughs> anything. I can't help but wonder why he's got a big red arrow saying "My <laughs> is here." It just doesn't make any sense. I I liked in this one that the X-Men brand the Avengers as terrorists. Yeah. Which is an interesting role reversal. Because the X-Men were always branded as terrorists. Yeah, well not always, but certainly in the past ten years or so. Yeah. They've been able to brand them as terrorists. Um, Cap's a great leader. There's a brilliant line of dialogue in this where Scarlet Witch says, they're moving pretty fast, Cap. And Cap's reply is, then move faster! Yeah. <laughs> which is awesome. 
That was great. Thanks, Cap. <laughs> really helpful. Cheers. What do you want me to say? Yeah. <laughs> um, Tony's doing his remote control deal. Tony looks like David Tennant on that other page. He did look like David Tennant on that other page. I, I kind of got taken out of it by it. See, I know what T'Challa is questioning the Avengers and leaning towards the X-Men, but here he... he backhands Tony on every other page, openly insults him and tells him that what he did was wrong. And like, I'm pretty, he smacks him in that panel there. Yeah, he smacks him because he's trying to get him to wake up, yeah. basically. And he's saying, science is failing and you're concerned with writing your own ending. Essentially, here, what Tony's offering to do is commit suicide. Mm. And Black Panther essentially slaps him as if to say, stop being an idiot! But then he goes ahead and yells at him and tells him that it's all his fault and he's wrong anyway. Yeah, I and mean, ultimately, though, this yeah. leads Tony to realise what he needs to realise for the story to end. Yeah. So T'Challa does the right thing here, you can argue. By being a bit of an ass. Yeah, by being a bit of an ass. But I didn't... I didn't think Tony would be surrounded in his work den by pizza boxes and Coke cans. He doesn't strike me as a frat boy slob. It depends, is he going for the Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark? Yeah, see, Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark doesn't strike me as a, a slob. Mm. His office is never a mess with food, is it? And leftover food cartons and stuff. Yeah. It may be a mess of circuit boards and computer equipment and stuff, but it's never caught Kansas lying around like he couldn't be bothered throwing him in the bin. I just think that's just lazy as well. It's gonna, he wants flies in the work area. You know, nobody wants that. It's yeah. just being a slob, that is. But it's here we get normal Emma Frost. Manipulative whole, Emma Frost. Well, going about the town with the knickers off Emma Frost. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, I love Hawkeye dead again. Yeah. Not like this! Well, he's not dead again, but... No, no, he gets better again. Uh, the shot of Captain America on page 27 is awful. Yeah, he Isn't looks it? like a two-year-old. He looks like a cosplay. Yeah. A bad cosplay, and not the real Captain America. I didn't like that at all. Although I do love the pages where he just gives orders, mm. which is awesome. awesome. Um, I like how he instantly realises it's Namor. A wall of water, Namor. Well, Cat would know that Cat worked with him in World War II. Yeah. They were part of the invaders together. They were. So you would totally be aware of Namor's tactics. Um, I'm a bit dubious as to using Scarlet Witch as a deus ex machina. Well, it wouldn't be the first time. No, it wouldn't. And in all my years of reading comics, I've never been actually clear on what Scarlet Witch's powers actually did. Doesn't she have control over reality? Yeah, there's some kind of reality warping yeah. powers that basically mean she can do whatever the writer of the moment wants her to do. Yeah. So she was always a deus ex machina. Yeah. Um... The dissident and dissonant, dissonant dissent, <laughs> can't say it, in the ranks was both surprising and not surprising. Because Namor has been very vocal about Scott's leadership skills, or lack thereof, over the past few issues. And he's a noted hothead. But he tends to be loyal. None of these appellations apply to Emma Frost. And I'm still confused as to how this manipulative witch has managed to finagle herself onto the team, other than she's shagging the leader. Obviously. And everyone else. Yeah, and everyone who'll have her, by the looks of her. Boldly go where every man has been before. new X-Men, is she, like, seduces Scott into cheating on... Uh, on Jean, Jean Grey, Grey, yeah. So, um, again, the art's not to my tastes. And I really, really do feel some of the power of the fight scenes has been diminished by not having Ramita Jr. draw the entire series. But the stories are all really well connected. 
And when you consider the number of writers involved, this is, is quite a, an achievement. I don't agree with the Bleeding Cool article that I read that you pointed me to, Which where they were that? basically saying, Court of Owls, how to do a crossover properly, Avengers vs. X-Men, how to do a crossover badly. Yeah. Uh, considering this has all been written by different people, I think they've done a pretty good job of it. Oh, yeah. I don't know about the tie-ins, because I haven't read any of them, but this core 12-issue no, miniseries, yeah. they've done a pretty good job with it. Tie-ins are just all over the place, but segueing into another tie-in here. Yeah, but one of the good ones. Yes. Uh, A versus X versus issue 4 has a cover by Brandon Peterson, again, of the Fights Inside. Who is it? Daredevil and Psylocke and Thor and Emma Frost. Uh, are the X-Men going to win again? Funny you should say that. Yeah, uh, go on then. Uh, Daredevil versus Psylocke. Was a draw. Uh, Daredevil vs. Psylocke was by Rick Remender and Brandon Peterson. Thor vs. Emma Frost was by Carl Andrews. Mm. A draw, you say? It was a draw. Um, Psylocke says that the Avengers have never been there for them. It's true <laughs> that the X-Men and the Avengers have been friendly in the past. They teamed up to stop Magneto in 1972. Although probably not in yeah. Marvel's sliding timeline. And Scarlet Witch and the Beast have been members of both teams. But they have primarily been, if not adversaries, not exactly friends. They clashed in X-Men number 9, if you remember. When we covered uh, Secret Wars, they oh. clashed in that. And the Avengers vs. X-Men miniseries in the early 1980s. So they've never been chummy-chummy. Mm. So that's fair enough, that was fair comment, that. And I thought... This a, mm. a Daredevil story that involved ninjas and hunting. Yeah. It's, it's good to see writers still writing Daredevil like it's Frank Miller. It's good to see they've moved past Frank Miller's yeah. influence, isn't it? Mm. They've moved on from His that. His shadow's gone now. Yeah, yeah. It's really not. No. Matt Wade's doing a pretty good job of not being in Frank Miller's shadow. Yes, well, he's going for the happy Daredevil. Well, not so much at the minute. No. But it still doesn't feel like warmed over I'm Frank be, Miller. I, the last one I read was the Doctor <clears throat> Doom stuff. Yeah, it's good. Mm. Still good, Daredevil. Um, the art in the Daredevil Psylocke battle is pretty damn good. And it is good, but in places it's quite stiff. Yeah, it's a bit Bollandy. Yeah. A bit Brian Bollandy. I think it's a clash between McNiven and Bolland. Yeah, yeah, there's a bit of Steve McNiven in it, yeah. Mm. I didn't notice that until you pointed it out, but yes, very definitely. Um, yeah, being the draw is a bit of a cop out. <laughs> at least the X Men <clears throat> didn't win this. At least, yeah, at least the X Men didn't win. Yeah. What I want to know is why they're fighting <clears throat> in New York. Continuity is not an issue in this book. Okay. Yeah, um, Thor versus Emma Frost. Wait for it. Go on then. Emma wins. The X Men wins. I am shocked. Mm. Shocked. Gee, the X Men bias continues again. Emma Phoenix Frost goes up against the god. Yeah, Phoenix god. Force or no, Thor's a god. Yeah. Emma Frost should be a puddle on the floor. Mm-hmm. Well. I really liked the art in this one. I thought the art was <coughs> really good. Yeah, it's alright. The storytelling as well, where they do, like, say... Um, there's some nice cartoony touches yeah. in this one. And there's certain storytelling elements that I quite liked. <coughs> Although I disagreed with the outcome, uh, what, I, what I disliked the most was Emma's comments about Thor's whipping, which seemed a bit out of place in this type of story. Yeah, it was alright, I suppose. Mm. Such pretty things to dress you in. I like that he smashes her in half. Yeah. I wish she'd stayed dead. <clears throat> no, uh, meh, this one. Sorry, it was a bit blah. I thought it looked good. It looked alright, but, you yeah. know. 
meh is the best well, ever that one. series has been looks over. Yeah, so. and it's also been very hit and miss. Yeah, to be honest with you. Well, anyway, what's next? New Avengers twenty nine, which is about the Illuminati, right. which is the group of the heroes who talk about how the world should be run and all that. Right. You know, Captain America, yeah. Steve, and all that. Um, and how their relationship has been affected by the Phoenixes and the Avengers vs. Yekman. Xavier says he's prepared to do anything he can to stop them, but can't bring himself to do anything because he sees Scott as his son. Um, Namor shows up at the end after everyone leaves, but Cap stays, believing that their friendship and past will make him come. Namor comes along, and Cap. And Namor surprises no trap or anything. Mm. And Cap says, no, there wouldn't be a trap because he still sees each other as brothers in arms, mm. yeah. Because which, of the evaders. Yes. Which obviously completely forgets <laughs> in the main series itself. <laughs> um, Avengers 29... Yeah, because in the next issue they're pounding the crap out yeah. of each other. Avengers 29 is about the Avengers going to Indonesia to fight Rachel Summers, but Namor shows up and fights them, but Xavier shows up and stops them all and makes them think it was a dream. So Xavier has a bit more of a part to play in the ancillary issues, because he's in these about two or three times and that's it. See, you're saying that, but that's Bendis' story. That is, the story is retold in Wolverine and the X-Men 12 and 13, which expanded upon this, but Xavier doesn't show up at all. Right. And the mutants take Rachel, but are attacked by the Shia Empire, but manage to kill the gladiator. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <clears throat> um, New Avengers 28 shows the captured Avengers escaping from Utopia until finding out that they're in a simulation replayed over and over again. Okay. Which is then followed by Avengers vs. X-Men 8. Back to the main series. Again, with a Jim Chung cover. Shows a huge Namor fighting the Avengers. A Jerome Opina cover of the Avengers charging, and a pencil version. An Alan Davis cover of Beast fighting Luke Cage with two team variants, and an Adam Kubert cover of the Phoenix Five with the weapons of the Avengers. See, my favourite of the lot was the, uh, the Jerome Opina one. Um, see, none of these particularly appealed to me. The main cover's just them fighting again, but again, there's too much cover copy on it for it to be interesting. The Alan Davis cover's interesting. The cap, the Luke Cage Beast mashup, sorry, looks like it's interesting for where they are fighting. There seems to be some kind of Avengers trophy room. Not that why the Beast and Luke Cage are fighting in the first place. No, no. As soon as they're both Avengers, you think they'd be mates, wouldn't you? Yeah. None of them are bad. And I particularly like the pencils variant. But I'm just a sucker for pencils. I do wonder why why the people at the back of that pencil variant in a heavier pencil. They look like they've been penciled thicker. Do you know what I mean? Than they do at the front. Anyway. None of them are awful. No. Uh, As Neymar floods Wakanda, Iron Man takes Lekung, Hope, and his tech through the portal to... Kaun Lun to stop Namor from reaching there and tells Cap to use the secret weapon. Outside of Kaun Lun, Wolverine, Hope, Iron Man and Lei Kung regroup and Hope prefers for her training. Cap and Black Panther fight Namor but as he has the upper hand the rest of the Avengers jump him and beat him. In Utopia Scott sees what Namor's doing and the Phoenix heads to Wakanda. The Avengers use a secret device in Wanda to defeat Namor and extract his phoenix from him and it is given to the remaining four phoenixes. The Avengers set up a portal and run through to lure the phoenixes. After they leave, Xavier telepathically tells Scott and the phoenixes to stop, or he'll stop them. 
all the Avengers regroup outside of Kaun Lun, and Hope realizes Cap may not have the plan. Um, <coughs> Cap, Captain America, is right in that he was right about the Phoenix Speaking Force. Speaking of which, go on. Credits. Oh, yes, we forgot. God, we're crap at this, aren't we? Uh, who wrote this one? Uh, Brian Michael Bendis scripted this one. Adam Kubert penciled it and John Dell inked it. Far too many other people were involved for us to be concerned with. Um, Cap's right in that he was right about the Phoenix Force, but wrong about Scott. He's blaming the destruction of Wakanda on Scott, yet Scott actually knows nothing about this. Yeah. Isn't this his old name or an Emma Frost? Hmm. Does he ever find out Emma Frost did this? I don't know. I don't remember. You've read all of I it. have, and I don't remember if he does. Well, look, I'll look out for that. Um, for Rulk, <laughs> a bit of a while since we said that, yeah. uh, and the thing plow into Nemo in a very powerful scene where they just pound on the king of Atlantis, who responds by snapping Rulk's hand. It was that was quite of a gross moment yes it was a very it was a really gross out moment the actual panels wince inducing his bone sticking yeah, out yeah his bone is sticking out of his arm which is gross my problem with it was uh, the storytelling is very muddled yeah I thought that when Adam Kubert got on not only is my least favourite of the artists on this but right. his storytelling is very confusing at times yeah because if you if you look at the I had to go back and read that a couple of times to see what he'd done mm. because if you have a look at the panels at the bottom of, uh, of page 19 Neymar gets pounded on the Rulk punches him in the face looking like he breaks his face the thing does the same then Thor does the same so it's like, how the hell is this guy's jaw holding up to this? Mm. And then the Hulk goes to pick him up. Namor just puts his hand on his thumb. And then in the next panel, he's got his hand on his li- on the Rulk's little finger. And Rulk's arm is snapped. Yeah. And he seems to just snap his arm by touching it. Which lacks both power. It looks like he's twisting his arm. Yeah, and it, his hand it lacks down. power and visual interest. It's, is that what it's supposed to be? He's twisting his arm because it doesn't look like that's what he's doing. Hmm. In that panel, though, it looks like Namor's getting up and he's just leaning against the hull to steady himself. Yeah, it's it's incredibly badly laid out considering what's happening to him, and it's it's hard to know whether to blame the artist or the writer for that. But I lean down on the side of the artist. Because surely it was the artist's job to convey to us, the reader, what was happening. And he doesn't do a very good job of it. If I'm going back and going, what the hell happened there? Something's confused. And I'm quite gratified that you said you thought that that was confusing. Because I was... Is this just me? I thought... uh, To be honest, I thought when Adam Kubert got on, it started losing... Did you lose interest? I did, actually. Just because I didn't know what was going on just from looking at it. Hmm. And... I don't think the art is as good as anyone else. Right. Yeah, and his fight scenes aren't as good either. Mm. I mean, uh, hmm. there's an interesting parallel, I suppose, to be made between Namor becoming omnipotent and the powerful Beyonder in Secret Wars. But that's pretty much the only parallel to Secret Wars in this particular story. I didn't get what Wanda was doing to Namor as well. See, that's what I mean about Wanda's powers. Yeah, it's not even that. She seems to be shooting... She's shooting her hex bolts at him. It's like we're going Dragon Ball Z and we're having a battle between orange bolts and purple bolts. (laughs) Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Maybe it was as simple as that. Well, they've set up early on that Scarlet Witch is the secret weapon. Mm. Scarlet Witch can take them down. But exactly what she was doing there. But exactly what... Well, 
I suppose there's an argument to be made that it doesn't really matter exactly what she's doing. We've been told that she can fight a and member of the Phoenix Five. Them, yeah. One of them. She can't take all five of them. But one at a time, yeah. she can do something. Mm. And that's what we're seeing. The actual specifics, I suppose, don't really matter. It would have been nice to have been given some line of dialogue that said, I can use my hex bolts to... <laughs> to Access his brain where he the Phoenix forces live in and nullify the effects upon him and perhaps use that opportunity when he's confused to be able to pound on him. Yeah, that was a decent that was a decent reason, I'll go with that. Alright, fair enough. Yeah. I just made that up. Um Scarlet Witch bringing Namer down, you've met is a Deus Ex. Which is you've just pointed out. But the thing kicking the pro Nemo when he's down. Yeah. And then saying, that's just because you're you. Actually, made me laugh out loud. <laughs> so I'm laughing at it now, looking at it. He just drop kicks him, <laughs> which is fair enough because in an earlier panel, the Nemo just punched the thing in the face. Yes. So I think that's fair enough. Um, the Phoenix Force flees Nemo upon his defeat, and his power is shared between the other four X-Men. Again, visually, this scene was muddled. But this is what the dialogue's for. What is visually stunning is that when Professor X contacts Scott. It's His pencils. eyes are rendered in pencil. Yeah, I thought that was good. Which I thought was, was fantastic. Against the computer art and the colouring, the simple lines of graphite on paper are the most powerful it's, image on the page. It's very jokey, but yeah. there's a lot of this which is very jokey. They are very influenced by his dad. Um, does the Phoenix Force flee the body when the, they've been defeated? Or dead, or wounded, or what? I didn't no, get he that. He said Namor's down, or whatever. Yeah, question. all he says is Namor's down, and then the Phoenix Force flees his body. So, so that makes it, no will sense he lose to conscience, me. Or I don't is know. Namor dead now? <clears throat> well, he can't be dead, but it would make sense to me that if they were dead, they fleed. Yeah. But if they're unconscious, does it, it flee them when they go to sleep? It fleed Jean Grey. Yeah. When she died. Yeah, but well, Jean Grey sacrificed herself to get rid of the Phoenix Force. Maybe. Wanda can extract it without killing them. But that's not what happens later on mm. when the other Phoenix forces ultimately leave the host bodies, as yeah. you will see as you, you carry on reading. So again, that felt a bit woolly, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, Adam Kubert's art's more suitable to this story and more pleasing to the eye than Copiel's, but I'm just missing the raw power of Ramita Jr. and what he brought to it. That being said... The scene where Red Hulk, the thing, and Thor just stomp on Namor's head is incredibly strong, with some of the Marvel Universe's heaviest hitters pulling no punches. Scarlet Witch pulling out the Deus Ex thing when she defeats Namor is getting a bit old. But I like that it took a lot out of her to do it, implying she won't be, and isn't, because now I've read it, the way the whole thing is resolved. I liked this issue as an extended fight scene, and that Cap, of all people, was suddenly out of ideas. And Professor X's appearance seems quite interesting. And I'm sure that that's going somewhere interesting. Mm. I've used the word interesting too many times. <laughs> what was next? Um, New Avengers 27 concludes the story about the original Iron Fist and shows Hope <coughs> starts her training by Iron Fist and Spider-Man. Uh, X-Men Legacy 269 and 270 is about the fight between Rogue, Magic and Miss Marvel. And Wolverine the X-Men 14 is about Colossus and Kitty Pride and how the and how the Phoenix Force controls him to the point of destroying his relationship with Kitty. Oh, And can I say once again that with all this talk about X-Men Days of Future Past bringing back Professor X 
Patrick Has Stewart. Has he been doing Days of Future Past movie? Yeah, and Hugh Jackman. I haven't decided if I'm interested in that or not. Um, if they don't bring back Ellen Page's Kitty Pride, yeah. they'll be hell to pay. Uh, that about wraps it up for this week. That's all we've got time for, by which I mean that's all we've done notes for. Yes. Uh, next week, Avengers vs. X-Men will conclude. Avengers vs. X-Men 9, 10, 11, 12, and A vs. X... Six? six. There's only six next yeah. time. And several tie-ins. And a couple of tie-ins that Michael needs to talk about. Should we cover... What? Um, the miniseries that came up after it, Consequences. You can read it and tell me what happens. Alright then. If it's, I'll, I'll read it. I may as well read it so we can have a brief discussion about the wrap-up. Yeah. Um, after that, we've got a Hellblazer two-parter coming your way. Two-parter because I couldn't... Two-parter because, as we discussed last week, Michael could not whittle it down to one show. Yeah. So what the hell, it's our show. If we want to make it two parts, we'll make it two parts. If Peter Jackson can do it, <laughs> we can do it. Yes. Can't we? So, be back next week for Avengers vs. X-Men. Any thoughts? Don't forget to email us. Please email Please us. Please email us. <laughs> We're all lonely. <laughs> so, Ronry. Sad we are So, Ronry. So, Ronry. <laughs> Ronry and sad we are Rome. That's playing as out now. Okay. Yeah. See you next week. Bye bye. Bye. I'm so. Ronry, so Ronry, so Ronry. Hey, kids, comics is that the devil will make work for idle hands to do production. And all opinions expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew, and you probably shouldn't take them too seriously. All music and sound clips used in the show are for illustrative and review purposes only, and no infringement is intended. Andrew and Michael make no money from the production of this show, which is a source of much consternation. New episodes drop every Thursday over at twotruefreaks.libson.com, which is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. Old episodes of the show are also archived on the Two True Freaks internet radio feed at twotruefreaks.libson.com. If you wish to communicate with Michael or Andrew or any of the things they have discussed about on the show, you can email them at heykidscomics, all one word, at virginmedia.com. If you wish to view the covers of the comics we've talked about this week, we have a website, www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com. If you are so inclined but don't actually want to drop us an email but just wish to ask us a quick question or say hi, you can Facebook friend us. We're using Hey Kids, all one word, as the first name, and comics as the we hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics. And until then, I'll just be Ronry. Yeah, riddle Ronry. Poor riddle.